Blog Talk Radio. I was looking lost, but you see that I am found. Got my Bible in my hand, cast demons to the ground. Now it's time for me to influence the people I'm around. We on Christ's side now, guarantee it's going down. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining us at another episode of Ask Kashab. I am your host, Kashab. Today, our topic, predestined and free from the sting of death, a.k.a. sin. Wanted to welcome my co-host, the Mafia. Mafia is always here. Share an extra word. Keep us on course. Good morning, Mafia. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? Okay, I'm fantastic. So today we're going to look into this um, into this topic um, because it is a popular, very popular opinion um, that uh, many believe that through the the crucifixion of Christ, that they are automatically free from sin and. As long as they believe in the name of the Lord, that that's pretty much it. Uh, they're not particularly uh, bound to any kind of, of biblical law uh, because of faith. And so there are a lot of written biblical laws in the book of Leviticus 23 that outlines uh, things that you should do. Uh, d- uh, Days that you should keep, holy days. Leviticus 11 highlights things that you can eat. Um, And even Exodus, even the Ten Commandments written in Exodus, it tells you the things that you should or should not uh, do. But what is very popular now is that, you know what, through Christ you're free from the law. Um, Well, the irony in in free from the law is, is that uh, many people still honor mother and father. Um, Many people still uh, try to keep the Sabbath. Um, Many people do not believe in idol worship. But yet, the other laws, they say that those laws are, they're not held accountable. So I wanted to open up the lines, 424-220-1850, and get some clarity from uh, our listening audience as far as that position and just get some clarity on do you believe, well, you can eat anything that you want as long as you believe in Jesus? And so what about adultery? Um, As long as you believe in Jesus, can you just commit adultery? Um, because you're no longer under the law. Um, which laws are you freed from to believe in Jesus? Are you free from all of them? Are you freed from select laws? Really like some clarity, 424-220-1850. Remember, as always, follow us on Twitter, at Ask Kashab, um, or follow us on Facebook, at uh, AskKashab at gmail.com. You enter that. And you should be able to follow us and be updated on the shows and the rebroadcast of the shows. So, Mafia, free from sin. I can eat what I want. I can 
do what I want, uh, just as long as I plead the blood of Jesus. Um, what do you think about that? Mm, interestingly enough, I um, somewhat grew up with that belief, thinking that I could eat whatever things I wanted to eat until I became enlightened and everything began to, to make sense to me. In regards to the law, and I'm sure you probably want to reference the scripture, I have to I always start with uh, Matthew chapter 5, at verse hmm, 17, and I'll read it quickly. It says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, so heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For me, that scripture is telling me that I, I think there's a misunderstanding, and you may be able to clear this up in the class, of what Christ meant when he said he came to fulfill. I think that's maybe mm-hmm. where some of the misconception is coming in at. And also, I think that when we look at some of the laws, like the food laws, the foods that we're you know, forbidden to eat in Leviticus, if people would stop for a minute and ask themselves, okay, why is he saying not to eat this? Instead of getting caught up, I can eat whatever, just bless it. If we go into thinking of, okay, pork, why wouldn't I want to eat it? Look at all of the problems that it causes the diseases that worms carry, look at the diseases, no, sorry, the diseases that pigs carry, the worms, the diseases, the um, high blood pressure, the diseases that we carry from eating that. Look at what the pig eats. They eat slop. They eat everything that's left over. So we have to ask ourselves, does the Father want us to consume these things, being who we are, you know, and our body being his, we have to ask ourselves, Maybe he doesn't want that inside of his body, okay, a.k.a. our body, for a reason. Same thing for those who eat shrimp and, and lobster. Those are bottom feeders. So you need to think about it. Because of who we are and how we're made, think about the fact that the Father doesn't want us to eat that because that eats every, those scavengers eat every dead thing that's on the bottom of the sea. So I think if we start asking ourselves, well, why is it he doesn't want me to do this, it'll start to make more sense instead of getting caught up in, oh, okay, I can eat whatever I want because Christ died. So in short, you know, well, well, you know, the the thing is, though, uh, I had someone says, well, you know, we feed our pigs corn, you know. So we feed our pigs corn. Our, pig, our pigs are, are, you know, raised pigs, and we feed it corn. And so it doesn't really have the, 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 the slop. It eats the corn. So... Can I eat a, a a pig that eats corn? Mm-hmm. I would say no because you're still looking at the makeup of the pig. Even the makeup of the pig itself is still unhealthy. Okay. I think that we now, have to realize that everything has its purpose. Everything has its purpose. I'd like to hear from some of the audience, 424-220-1850. Um, you know, Mafia, she just said, hey, you know, one jot or one tittle, she read it from the scriptures, shall not pass from the law to all be fulfilled. Well, some says when Christ came, he fulfilled it. When Christ came, he fulfilled the law and nailed it to the cross. 
So what about that? What about, you know, hey, the law is nailed to the cross. Okay. Is that for me or are you going to the caller? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to hear from the callers. Um, but, you know, let's take a look at that. Let's let's examine that the 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 whole nail to the cross scripture and see um part of the reason for this discussion is that some things are applicable to some people but all things are not applicable to all people so when he says nail to the cross nailed the the law to the cross is that talking about anyone anyone that believes what do you think about that, Amati? He's saying, "Hey, listen, I, I nailed the I nailed the law to the cross, so you you're free, you're free from the law." You also hear about the scriptures talking about the liberty, the liberty in Christ. Does the liberty in Christ mean that you are free from the uh, carnal laws? That hey, that doesn't apply to me. You know, I'm free from the carnal law. What do you think about yeah, that, Amati? I think with um, with Christ dying and Christ becoming in, in regards to the law, Christ became the ultimate sacrifice because, you know, back in the day they had to offer sacrifices for their sin, um, which were the animals and everything. I think Christ became the ultimate sacrifice so we didn't have to go through those carnal acts anymore. We could now become spiritual. So when I think of Christ dying and him being nailed to the Christ, the part of it is that he became the ultimate sacrifice, so you wouldn't have to go through that physical part. You can now go over into the spiritual part, but that doesn't mean that you can now do it. You can now do what? Uh, sin. That doesn't mean that you can now eat whatever you want to eat and whatever you want to do. That's not what that, okay. that was not the intent. So he caused you over to the spiritual part. Some would say, oh, here we go. Every time we can't explain something, we call it spiritual. Okay? <laughs> this spiritual part, what is this spiritual? This spiritual thing is so abstract. Um, when we say spiritual, are we talking about after you die and you become a spirit, then you're no longer free yeah. from the law? Is that what he meant? Or is this talking about a, a spiritual mentality, a group of people that say they're in the spirit and so they no longer have to... Uh, keep laws by just pleading spirit, just like some plead the blood. What is this spiritual thing all about? For me, the, the the spiritual part is the relationship that I have, that we should have with Christ, with the Father. The spiritual part is the genuine love that we should have. The spiritual part is that keeping the commandments, and as the scripture says, keeping them and is not a grievance to us. To me, the okay. spiritual part turns all, everything over into that. I wrap always wrap everything up in love, love for Christ, love for the Father, love for our sisters and brothers. I wonder when I think about Christ coming to fulfill love is always you know the when you read throughout scriptures, love is the key. <laughs> Sound like maze, but that's what it is. So when I think of spiritual, I'm thinking about my relationship. I'm thinking about my understanding. I'm thinking about the love. And everything genuine from the heart. I'm not talking about lip service. I'm not talking about just talking about it. I'm talking about feeling it and living it. Okay. Let's take a look at some of these, uh, some of the attributes of the spirit, um, really quick. Um, mm, I think we had a caller. 
You do. Okay. I got a hand raised. Um, okay. I'm going to get to that caller in just a second. I wanted to read this um, really quick, and then we're going to go to the lines. Uh, remember, everyone call in 424-220-1850 um, and express yourself. Um, listen to this really quick. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 it says, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. Kind of piggybacking on what Amati is saying, that when you're in this in this spirit, um, it's, it supersedes law because it includes law, but it also includes love, love for the Father, love for the Son, love for your brothers and sisters. Also, in Galatians 5.22, it gives the attributes of the fruits of the Spirit again. Uh, but the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and love, with affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So if you have really uh, freed yourself from the law, then these are the attributes that you should be living by. But if you're just not eating pork, you're just not keeping any of the written biblical holy days, but yet you are not fulfilling uh, the, the fruits of the spirit, but actually fulfilling the fruits of the flesh. And here, here are the attributes of the fruits of the flesh. Uh, for the Ephesians, um, Galatians 5.17, it says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and they are contrary the one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So can you imagine someone saying, well, I don't eat, I can eat whatever I want because I am clean and sanctified through the blood of Jesus and I am no longer bound by the law. I live by faith, but I don't like her. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, but I, you know, I could, I could drink as much as I want. I'm sanctified by the blood of Jesus, but I don't like her, and I'm gonna kill him, and I'm gonna lay with whoever I want to lay with, lay with whatever kind of objects I want to lay with, and I'm gonna do whatever I want. But I'm clean and sanctified by the blood of Jesus. It seems to be a conflict because the only people free from the law are those that are living in the spirit. I'm getting some feedback, Amati. It might be on your end. Maybe if you have some head, headphones or something, um, it might. I'm hearing that feedback. Let me go to line one, caller. Line one, six four six number. Go ahead and give your feedback on this topic. Um, what do you think? Hey, Shalom, how are you doing? Law? All right, Shalom. Okay. So, what was the question exactly? Because y'all had a couple things y'all dealing with. Well, well, we're just pretty much we're just gleaning over the subject, and the topic is um, 
is is anyone free from the law through the blood of of Christ? Are you just free because you believe in Christ and now you're under the banner of faith? Um, did he nail the law to the cross now, allowing uh, people to pretty much just believe, and that's it? So we're just gleaning on that subject, and if you have a comment that rather, you know, says, hey, yeah, you can, or no, you can't, we'd love to hear from it. I'll just read um, Romans six fourteen and 15. We'll read some scriptures. Just give a little light. Romans six fourteen fifteen. 15. For sin should not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. The Lord forbid. Now you got Romans uh, three thirty one. Do we then make void the law through faith? The Lord forbid. Yea, we establish the law. And now the one dealing with, um, I think the one in Colossians 2, was, it says that Christ bl- blotted out the, the uh, ordinances of the um, cross, which is against us, and nailed them to his cross. Well, what was against us, the law or the sins? One of those was killing us. Well, here's what, it's meaning, what he means in Isaiah 43:25. I, even I, am he that blotted out thy transgressions. For my own sake And will not remember thy sin So that's what Christ nailed to the cross In that scripture Is the sin That was killing us The law is perfect In Proverbs 19 and 7 The law is perfect So the law isn't killing us You do the law You live You don't do the law You die Spiritually Mentally Physically So the law is very important The Lord is not going to make a new law When he comes back to the earth The same law that he put Moses through you know, are going to be put back into play. That's why they were destroyed twice. That's the new covenant, old covenant. The first one, Moses came down, he broke it, then he had to go back and make another one. Well, this, we're in that, that, uh, that second one right now. So that was symbolic of how we would break the first one and then the new one would have to be made, which was no different from the uh, first one. But there's another one, this last one right here, Luke 2444. This is Christ talking to the disciples as he resurrected and appeared to them in the room where they were at. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So this is what it means about the fulfilling of the law. The law is a lifestyle. It's not something that you do and you finish with it. It's a lifestyle. So what Christ fulfilled was the prophecies that were written of him, the things in the Old Testament all the way up about what he would do, how he died, how he resurrected. That's what he fulfilled. Not that he, and he, he fulfilled the law in terms of he walked and did it. That was his lifestyle. And, you know, fulfilling it, he is living it, not just doing it and then you know, not do it no more. So, that's a little confusion that people have when they say that word fulfilled, think that we ain't got to do it no more. That'll make no sense, you know. The law is a lifestyle from, from when you're born to the day you die. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, that that's, you know, that's good stuff. I'd like to hear from other people also that say, well, no, you know, that, and, and you know, and, and, and keep in mind, when we do these discussions on Saturday, 
it is now our it's not our goal to debate. Debates is for Thursday night, and we welcome debates on Thursday night. But this is more for a discussion uh, from different people's experience and views uh, with the word, and bring the word. You know, everyone has an opinion, but you know, let us also bring the word into the discussion. So I appreciate that call, uh, bringing out the scriptures. Now, now let me challenge a little bit of uh, the rest of Colossians. Um, and just have maybe that caller or anyone else on Mafia uh, weigh in on where it says in Colossians chapter 2, right, continuing on, um, the brother quoted Colossians 2.14. It says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And he explained that with the scripture in Isaiah. But then it goes on, if we skip down to verse 16, it says, let no man therefore judge you in meat. And I think that this is where uh, some people believe that you can't judge me according to, to what I eat. All right, And we have more that I'm going to build on with that. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moons or of the Sabbath day. Let no man judge you according to that because, you know, we remember scriptures that show that you know, there was once a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day, and they stoned him to death. Um, also, part of the, the this discussion is, is he talking to everybody? Because was everyone underneath that law once upon a time? Not everyone was always under the law. Um, and, and let's get some clarity with that. But I'm going to read on. It says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moons or of the Sabbath day, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. What if the challenge is the law, which of course came after Abraham, 430 years after Abraham, the law, does that make you righteous or unrighteous if you keep it or don't keep it? Because Abraham existed before the law but yet he was righteous through faith. And I think that's one of the arguments uh, that the people use uh, that say you don't have to keep the law is that Abraham was righteous before the law. And so does the law that came 430 years after make you righteous when Abraham was counted righteous? Um, so that's another, that's another aspect of it. I'm going to read this real quick and I'm going to go back to Colossians and again the lines are always open 424-220-1850. In Romans chapter 2 verse 5 it says for a circumcision verily profit if thou keep the law but if thou be a breaker of the law thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. So what about the guy that is keeping the law but yet he breaks, he kept the law of circumcision because he was eight days old, but then he grows up and he's contrary to the law. Did his circumcision become uncircumcision? It says, therefore, if the uncircumcision, which people, let's say they're not keeping that law, keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, 
who by the letter and circumcision do transgress the law. So what about the law keepers that um, begin to transgress the law and the natural law keepers, who are, which are people that are keeping it in truth like a mafia brought out, but they're not physically circumcised, who is the righteous here? Because Abraham, when he was counted righteous, was amongst the uncircumcised. So does the law make you righteous? That's another piece um, that we need to add to that puzzle, 424-220-1850. I'm going to go back to Colossians and uh, just build on this um, where I started, uh, verse 2, verse 17. It says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body, by joints and bands having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? So someone says, well, listen, I'm in the spirit, and I love the Lord. You know, Mafia brought it out, but let's build on that. I love the Lord. I love Christ. I love the brothers. Why do I have to subject myself to the laws and ordinances which are a shadow of things to come? This Is this the real thing, or is this a rehearsal? And if I don't keep the rehearsal, does that make me unrighteous? Love to hear from other callers. Amafi, what do you think about that? Does does keeping it make you righteous and not keeping it make you unrighteous concerning the law? You might be muted, Mafia. Still can't hear you. Call us, call in, 424-220-1850. And let's hear from you. Does keeping the law make you righteous and not keep it make you unrighteous? Amafia? Okay. Can you hear me now? Yep. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, no, I don't think keeping the law makes you right, righteous because that's just a, um, a physical act. Everything has become genuinely from the heart. The physical doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't think that it, it makes you righteous. Okay. So the law doesn't make you righteous, so why keep it? Those, hopefully the, the righteousness with the physical act and the um, spiritual act, the internal, should work as one. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. It should all, It so, take. I think it takes both of them. So like faith with works. Instead of faith without works, right? But when exactly. he says works, kind of are he talking? Hand hand. But when yeah. he says works, is he talking about the works of the law? No, when I think of works, I'm thinking of the works of what I do in order to show, like me and my works show that I I do believe in the law, but I followed up with the with the actions that I do towards other people. Now, so the works are the works, the works of the fruits of the Spirit, or are right. the works the works of the law? 
You see, because it says faith without works are dead, but are the works the works of the law which show your faith because you keep the law, you kept the Sabbath, you kept the law, or is it the works of the Spirit? I'm going to go to line one, caller. What do you think about that, caller? 646 number. Is it the works of the law or is it the works of faith? And does works make you, uh, does keeping the law make you righteous? What do you think about that? Well, I think what the sister brought out is a perfect um, example of um, of the law. Even in this wicked world and in all the wicked kingdoms that became wicked over time, Babylon and Syria, Rome, Greece, they had a law. Even the devil has a law. Okay, There's certain foods you can and can't eat in this world of wickedness and in the righteous world. There's certain ways that you should act with each other, moral law, civil law, dietary law. All nature has a law, okay? Um, wolves don't mess with bunnies. They eat them, okay? That's a law. And certain laws of nature and laws of the trees and the sky, the law of gravity, you know, if you want to go there. So it's a balance. Being that we're in a wicked world, it's a balance between the two. You do the best you can. With, that's what grace is for. The law, the grace is not an excuse for us to sin, but it's space for us to get right. The scripture in Proverbs, I find it later on, righteous man falls seven times and rise again, meaning that, you know, you mess it up. You know, you fall in, you might fall this way, but you learn, and you keep moving. You don't stay down in that fall of sin. You just say, okay, well, I'm underground. I'm just going to keep on doing this and keep on doing it. There ain't no lightning coming, so I'm eating the pork chops, sandwich. Everything's good. But there is an immediate effect in the scripture I'm going to show you. Later on, I don't know where it's at, but I'll find it. It says, all law is not unto death. There was some law, there was some, I mean, all, yeah, all um, sin is not unto sin. death. Right. Yeah, sin, that's not, <laughs> all sin is not unto death. You know, some sins are banishment, some are long-term. If you drink, you know, cyanide with a small millimeter every day, you may not die that day, but a couple, couple days you'll die. Now, you drink a whole cup, you'll die in seconds. So the same way with how the Lord had to let this system play itself out. You know, we see wickedness and great power and authority, but we wonder why the Lord didn't judge him, because his sin had to play themselves out until the time that his sins be be uh, come to, to to their full. The same with us. We got wicked enough. Moses said, okay, I sent the prophets. I gave you grace. I kept warning you. Now, the Most High did what he said he was going to do, and now we're living it. Now, Esau, today, it's the same way. America is going to fall, and they had their time to love and to fix and to repair and to repent, and they're just getting worse. So now their time has come. But uh, James 4.17, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and do it not, to him it is sin. You see? So once you, we're walking like you mentioned Abraham, Abraham was walking in faith. He knew something was wrong. Walking amongst the Gentiles at that time, mainly Babylon and seeing how wicked they were, he wanted, he something told him, this ain't right. But the same way we, we walked before we learned this knowledge, we knew something was wrong with this system. But we did what we were doing. Some of us probably smoked or did this, but we knew. We, we knew there was something greater. And that's what the Lord wants, Ezekiel 9, give him, the, him that sign cry for the abomination to be done. Most high can work with that vessel that is seeing something wrong. If he's accepted this, and 
can't work with you. But if he wants you, he'll bring you out of that. You know, so now mm-hmm. once we once we're in this uh we're walking we're walking like Abraham right now. He didn't he didn't have he wasn't circumcised. He didn't he, he wasn't keeping the Passover and all these holidays, you know, but the most I can work with him. So he began to get in the laws as time went on and you know and and as he proved himself. It's got to get it's like getting any group, you gotta prove yourself. And as Abraham proved himself, okay, here's the law, do this, do that. You know, I'm pretty sure Abraham had certain basic laws because the law goes back to Adam, the Ten Commandments and all of that. So everyone has a basic understanding of the law, just like today. The law exists, but people are just doing other stuff, but the law is here. So the same way it was back then, the law, the Bible goes back to the beginning. It just wasn't called the Bible. And all nations have a form of the Bible in their system because it was the law of the world. And so they went off in the idols and their own religions and made up their own stuff. But one more scripture, and I'm going to let you all take it on First Peter 4 and 6. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, being dead in, the, in the, you know, in sin, walking around on know-nothing, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to Yahweh in the spirit. So the Most High did set men once he wake them up to, to judge you, meaning not condemningly judge you, but to pass the judgment of the Most High. We can judge each other. If I see you doing something wrong, I'm going to say, look, don't do that. This is what the Bible says. Now, I can't just say, well, brother, you're going to die. You're going to hell. Now, that's the judgment that the Lord says, thou shalt not judge. One, we shouldn't condemn the judge, but that's what the Most High to do. We should try to help brothers and show them how to come out of their fall, pass, pass the Most High judgment and show them the scriptures, then the other one is make sure that you're not doing what you tell someone else not to do. That's what it means, judge not lest you be judged. You know, if you eat pork chop sandwich and I'm telling somebody don't eat pork, you're hypocrite, you know, and you're not mm-hmm. being a, a, an, an example to that person. So those are the two things that I see it means judge not lest you be judged. It doesn't mean you can't judge. We judge every day, you know, judging right and wrong. We judge when you drive on your car. Judge, life is judgment. You know, we can do it. When you come to somebody, you sweep. Somebody walk around a corner, you know, there's a hole over there. You're going to judge the situation. Don't go around that corner. So you're going to fall and hurt yourself. So judgment is life. We go to the white man's court, you judge it. So how come we can't judge each other? You know, we're, we are, we are, uh, we have the law, too. So, you know, okay. the churches really, really just go off on that judge, judge thing. You know, they just, they just have a misunderstanding of that. Okay. All right, caller. Thank you for calling in. Now, as far as the 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 world to come, now right now, um, there's a scripture that says uh, circumcision is nothing. You know, people say whether you circumcise doesn't matter. Circumcision is nothing. Um, this is coming out of First Corinthians seven, um, verse eighteen and nineteen. Let's go all the way down to 20. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 18 to 20, it says, Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandment of God. Let every man abide in the calling wherein he was called. I can see how when someone reads these scriptures, um, if they look at it cut and dry for what it is, they'll say, it doesn't matter. 
Because circumcision is one of the commandments of the law, they may look and say, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not, because the scripture says here, it doesn't matter. Now, the reason why I brought that up is that there is a a, a prophecy of the future in, Eze- in Ezekiel chapter 44, speaking about the kingdom when it's established, um, that says something very interesting. This is Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 9. It says, Thus saith the Lord God, No stranger, uncircumcised in heart, nor uncircumcised in flesh, shall enter into my sanctuary of any stranger that is among the children of Israel. So in the future, is he going to now say, Okay, you believe? Here's the proof. You have to be circumcised then, maybe now, as the caller brought in and said, this is the grace period to get it right. But during this grace period, someone is reading 1 Corinthians 7 and saying, it doesn't matter. They may not be circumcised. But in the future, in the kingdom to come, it says here, again, Ezekiel 44, verse 9, thus save the Lord God, no stranger, uncircumcised in heart, no uncircumcised in flesh shall enter into my sanctuary of any stranger that is among the children of Israel. So meanwhile, in this time period, it's saying, no, I'm circumcised in the heart. You're circumcised in the flesh. The Lord is telling you, whoever's fake, if you're circumcised in the flesh and you're fake, or if you're circumcised in the heart and don't do the works, you're not going to enter into my sanctuary. What do you think about that, Amafia? Uh, I think you just said it. It's... Um the circumcision is more than just the the act of being circumcised. And the scripture is clear that it talks about circumcised in the heart and in the flesh. But I think it ties right back into what I said before. They go together. That one has to complement the other because that's how you demonstrate the belief for the other. Right. And right. that's the work. Right. So, you know, there you have it. So, So instead of doing less and justifying yourself, um, you might need to do more. Not that you are justified by the works of the law. It tells you that in Galatians 2. I'm going to read that as well. You can't justify yourself. You can't say, I'm justified. But you can be justified. Let's take a look at that. Let's go to Galatians 2.14. It says, but when I saw that they walk not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews. The manner of the Gentiles then was, you know, you could pretty much, uh, you were in subject to the law back then. But Peter, the the problem that Paul was having with Peter is that Peter was sitting amongst the Gentiles, which back then the Jew wasn't supposed to sit amongst, eat with the Gentiles. And Peter is sitting amongst the Gentiles, and when he saw Jews coming, because Peter is a, is a Jew or was a Jew, when he saw the Jews coming, he did, you know he dipped out and he tried, tried to get out of there so that none of the Jews would see him eating with the Gentiles. So Paul stepped to him and said, you're not walking according to the truth of the gospel because if you understood the truth of the gospel, I remind you, Peter was the one who the angel came and told him to go and to deal with Cornelius 
he went, dealt with Cornelius. Acts 13, it says he spoke the word in Cornelius' house, received the spirit. Then he said, what can I do? I can't fight against God. He said, go to the Gentiles. They receive the spirit. What can I, what can I do about that? I, I can't fight against God. Then he's amongst the Gentiles, and when he sees the Jews, he's, he dips out. So Paul is having a problem with Peter not being sincere that you understand and you're walking according to what you understand. Don't understand and then try to please man because man may have a problem with what you're doing. Okay? So that's why Paul says here that he withstood him to the face. And he and just going back to Galatians two fourteen, he says, But when I saw that they walk not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew liveth after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compel thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Why are you saying to the Gentiles to come up underneath the law when you, according to the law, is not supposed to sit amongst the Gentiles, but you are? It's the same hypocrisy if you're telling them to do something and you're not doing it. You're not living according to the truth of the gospel. Verse 15, it says, "Who We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Jesus and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Which we just touched on that you, you can't say because you keep it you're 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 righteous. Um so then what's the purpose of the law? Okay? What is the purpose of the law if it doesn't uh make you justify? Well Matthew brought out and we also brought out it, it's the proof. Keeping of the law is the proof of the belief. Okay? Now is there anyone that is exempt? Are anyone exempt from the law? Straight up and down exempt, like exempt as in you cannot be condemned. Let's go to call line of two, nine seven three area code. Uh you could get feedback on any one of the areas of the topic. Um line number two. Go ahead, you're live on Ask a Shop. Did you have a comment? Call line two. Nine seven three area code. You have a comment? All right. Didn't hear anything there. Um, okay. So, what about that? You know, what about the justification um, that he's saying here that no man is justified by the works of the law? And so, here's an example of that. You. Are, are born into a Hebrew household, the children of Israel, circumcised the eighth day, kept the law, been keeping the Sabbath, have the Sabbath down packed, know everything uh, 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 of the law, can read the Hebrew, live righteously, do not deal with the Gentile, have never dealt with anything unclean, have not eaten anything unclean. Are you then now better than the man that learned law late, was circumcised when he was 15, um, may not be fluent in the Hebrew, but he has a love and respect 
for the Most High and is willing to do whatever the Most High and Christ will have him do. Who is more just here? Let's go to line one. What do you think about that, caller? Who is more justified, the man that has it down-packed and has been doing it since his childhood, or the man that got, when he was 15, he learned the word, got circumcised, and is willing to obey the voice of God? Which guy is more justified? Well, look at the person. Uh, my first thing comes to mind is the the two, uh, I think, thieves who died with Christ, with, with Christ on the cross. One, he was dying on the cross. The other one, he was down with everything Christ was about. And the Lord said, you shall be with me in paradise. And the Lord hmm. is right there. He he wasn't, wasn't baptized in the water. He didn't do any law. or It's just in that second. Through his mind, through the spirit that Christ read in him. Because Christ doesn't judge in the outward appearance. He judges in the inward. He can read your mind and your heart and see what you're going to do. You know, and that man was saved just by that. So the mo- each one of us have different, you know, obstacles that we have to overcome in ourselves. And Yahawashah knows how to step to you and what you need to bring out what he knows is inside of you. You know, another example is the two, the rich man that, you know, Yahawashai stepped to and told him, give up all you got. And then he was down for Christ, but then the Lord said, give up all you got. He he uh, couldn't do it. And then, you know, that was, you know, Christ checking his spirit, you know, to see what he was willing to do if he had to. Now, he had another rich man, Joseph of Amalthea. He was a rich disciple of Christ. He was the one that took Christ's body and buried it. He was a rich disciple. Now, how come Christ didn't step to him and his riches? You see, because he knew his heart. He didn't have to. He knew he would do it if he had to. At the same time, Christ is here. He had to fulfill Scripture by being rich because we're living in a carnal world, and Christ didn't step to him with his riches because he was going to fulfill that, that prophecy of taking Christ's body, having an authority, and, and, and status and bearing Christ in his own sepulture. I mean, that sepulture had to be elaborate. There wasn't no little rock in the dirt inside a hill somewhere. But it was a rich man's sepulture. So just to bring it um, home, um, um, this scene, the Lord deals with your spirit. Each person comes to the Lord in the way that, you know, they're, they're designed. You know, we all can't, we can't judge each other. Oh, you got to come in like me. I got to be like you, you know. And, and you know, I'm Romans um, 14, 22, 23. Has our faith, have it to thyself before your hour. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. 23. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Eat meaning what you read and believe and you take into your mind as information is to discern good or evil. It doesn't, doesn't deal with fun. It, it, it also go with um, physical eating too, but this is this is not talking about physical eating here. So each person has their life to live. I can't understand about that. He's working on the Sabbath. He got five kids that are paid rent. I'm not going to condemn him working on the Sabbath. You know. There's ways to keep the Sabbath while you're working in rehearsal, in acknowledgement. So, you know, we have to, we're in, we're in jail right now. When you're in jail, 
the warden going to tell you how to do things the way he wants. Until you're free, you got to eat what they give to you if you want to live, or you can just go all the way and commit suicide and not eat. But if they feed you pork and you in your 10 years, what are you going to do? You're a Christian. Okay, so we're, that's something. We're in this jail. So we have to, to do the best we can with what we have. And the things we can do, that's what we do. The things we can't, then we, un- we understand that's what the grace is for. Okay, because we're in jail. If you got to work the Sabbath, go ahead, brother. you got to pay your bills, man. If there's no other way, try to exhaust all your ways to get out of it. But if you can't, do what you got to do. But you can kind of fast that day or just not work as long or read the scriptures and have, you know, those are different ways to acknowledge it so, so that when we are out of this captivity, we'll, we'll be worthy definitely for the Lord to work with because he knows that we were down for the whole thing. No matter how, you know, um, messed up we are, we were, we're still looking for the coming of Christ and the law to be established and for Christ to change us. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that comment, caller. Um, now, is anyone actually exempt um, from the law? Um, and the reason why I ask that is that there had to be some kind of weakening of the law or some kind of um, uh, I'm looking for the right word, but there had to be some kind of intercession made because the law was piled up. For example, uh, and and this might this might help to bring this point. Um, it says here in First Corinthians 15 that after Christ got the victory, this is First Corinthians 15. It says. O death, verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Now, I'd like to hear from the calls, 424-220-1850. When it says here, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, you may read that and say, you see, the law was empowered and given strength because of uh, because it highlights sin. But when I read that, what I'm getting, um, and based on other scriptures, is that sin, which is highlighted by the law, sin uh, or the law is now used against you almost like a um like the scriptures in Romans 7 speak about the occasions the occasions that the devil uses and so the devil after he was defeated here by Christ it's almost like Christ is making mockery of him in verse 55 and says where is where is thy grave uh where is thy victory because the victory that was um that was always on man was that man will eventually die. Even if he's living um, righteously in the flesh, man would eventually die. So the grave was able to receive um, receive man because, remember, as we covered in a, in a previous discussion, when Adam fell, death took over. And so as long as you are 
in this flesh, it says in Hebrews 2 and 14, that death reigns. But because through Christ he was able to defeat death, when he defeated death, he also defeated sin and the use of the law to condemn. Because the law was used as a form of condemnation. Okay? So if the law was used as condemnation through the victory, Christ was able to shut down, where it says here, the sting of death. Because the law was used to highlight your sin. I'm going to prove that. And uh, again, the lines are open. 424-220-1850. The law was used. Now, let me clarify. I'm not speaking against the law. I'm saying that the law was used to highlight your sin. What the scriptures call in Romans, the seventh chapter, the occasions of the devil. This is Romans chapter 7, verse 8. It says, but sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. So all of the scenarios that are presented by the devil are law scenarios. He's not going to present scenarios that are not law scenarios because he cannot use that to condemn you if it's not against the law. So, for example, let's use an adulterous scenario and you're a man of God or a woman of God, the scenario or the occasion is actually a manifested law. So he's not going to prevent. So you're a man of God and say she's a woman of God, your coworkers, and you like each other, but you're both married and you both have a covenant that you swore before hundreds of people that you would keep, but you find each other attractive. That occasion, the devil will highlight that occasion by making you um, just maybe you might have a conversation and, you know, you just get me. Man, it's so perfect. It just seems so perfect. But you're a married man and she's a married woman. And so the scenario that the devil has created through allowing you to uh, to meet or everything is perfect. Every time I, uh, I I see you, you you always wear my favorite color, whatever, whatever the thing is, that scenario is a law that you have the option of keeping or breaking. And that, if you break it, that law has become sin to you. Okay, that law has become sin to you because that law, if you break it, empowers the devil. And so the sting of the law is when you transgress it, because after you transgress it, then you feel that what we call cut. You feel cut in your spirit because you failed that trial. You failed that test. So saying is empowered to present scenarios to try you 
And when you fail, that is the sting of death. And when you overcome, that is the victory. Now, Christ was able to overcome and have a permanent victory and uh, allowed us also to know how to obtain that permanent victory, okay, through defeating Satan in all of his occasions. But if you don't look at all matters spiritually, going back to what Amathia brought out there, you have to look at both sides because there's always a spiritual side. And you don't look at scenarios as far as what law is being presented here in this occasion, then that's where now the sting of death will have the victory over you. And that's when the law becomes sin unto you. Okay? So, again, Romans 8, verse 8, it says, But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, again, which is a highlighted law played out in a scenario, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, okay? And concupiscence is desire. So he created a scenario, and that scenario gave you the desire. Similar to Luke 4, when he took Christ up to the mountain and presented the scenario, these kingdoms, I have power over all of these. They were given to me. Bow down and serve me and you'll have them. That's the scenario or the occasion. And what did Christ say? You should not serve anyone but God. So he was able through that scenario to get the victory. So every day we're presented with these different scenarios, which are actually law manifested in scenarios. And you have to now look at those scenarios through the spirit and through the law and be able to make the decision that gives you the victory. If you cannot do that, then that's when you begin to feel uh, the sting of death because it's almost like Satan taunting you and saying, ha, gotcha. That's the sting. Because what happens? Before the sin, you're tempted, and then after fulfilling the sin, you feel terrible. You feel cut. You feel like you've uh, failed God. What do you think about that, Amathia? Have you ever had any occasion that was the law presented in the form of a scenario and you saw in the spirit what it was and failed and felt the sting right after? Often, as soon as as soon as you begin to think about doing it, you begin to be cut at the same time. And then that's when that battle starts to p- take place between flesh and spirit. And time the flesh wins. You see? Now, that so so considering law, you cannot be ignorant or throw the law behind you because then technically you have surrendered to all occasions and so the devil has gotten the victory. Okay, but when you, through the law, as the scripture says, mortify the deeds of the flesh, then you shall live. But it says to be calmly minded is death. So if you surrender and don't uh, learn the law and use the law as a means of uh, being able to identify what's being presented to you and being able to make the right choice in the spirit and in the flesh, 
then you gave the devil the victory. And so now the law becomes sin to you. Or as we read in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56. Let me read it again. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Because that's what the devil will use all the time. He's not going to use unlawful uh, scenarios. Like, you know, if you're a, 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 a heterosexual man, He's not going to present you with a homosexual man. He's going to present you with a beautiful woman that's somebody else's woman. And unless you know the law that says you know you can't do that, right, you will begin to justify yourself on why you can't, okay? Go to the line. What do you think about that, caller? What do you think about those scenarios and those occasions? that are being used by the devil. Is that accurate? Um, Do you see something different there? What do you think? Uh, This is line one? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. I didn't know what line I was. (laughs) Yep, you're lying. Yeah, I mean, you said it, you know, quite eloquently. Um, The law in Hebrews 8 and 8, and that goes with, it hasn't changed. Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. The Lord should put the law in our inward parts. Okay, when He has, has cleansed us, you know, from our vile bodies and fashioned unto the glorious body. That speaks speaking about in Philippians and in Corinthians. So you know, the law is very important. I want to read Ezekiel twenty-five. Um, how the Lord is going to really play this whole thing out. I can imagine if I can find it. Might be twenty six. Uh, okay, I'm just thinking about it, but yeah, that's pretty much you know what it is, man. I I got so okay. much to say on on that. You know, I'm just thinking about what you're saying, but you know that's that's that's, that's complete. But the law is spiritual, and we have to walk in the spirit in this captivity. I remember we're in captivity. We're in this the world that that uh, that uh, Satan showed Christ. We're in those worlds now. All the kingdoms, if you bow down, you could be great. Well, we're in the worlds, okay? Rome, America, Europe, around all these kingdoms, we're in it. Because the white man just isn't one Satan. This Satan has been the Egyptians, the Babylonians. Any nation ruling over us that has been transgressing the law is Satan. <laughs> you know, he's working through that. The white man just the works. And he's, you know, Satan personified because he brought it to this totally destructive zone that no other nation has done. The whole planet is threatened, not just the Israelites and, and the righteousness. So, you know, we're well, in that time when we're being tried. The thing about it, too, yeah. is that, um, and thank you, thank you, caller. Thanks for that comment. You know, the thing about it, too, is that we have to be general enough to know that, listen, Satan didn't just put, uh, he, he doesn't just have, the blacks under captivity, he has the whole world under captivity. He has the whole world believing a lie. And so as the as the sons and daughters of God, it is our responsibility to look at it in the spirit and see what's happening. People are being used as the tool for him to fulfill whatever his mission is. 
And so, likewise, the responsibility of the children of Israel is to be the light bearers um, and bring forth the uh, the the truth. Um, we we have to be careful now when we understand what this battle is um, that we don't just point it out to any particular nation. And the reason why I say that is because anything that is happening contrary, if we as the sons and daughters of God aren't doing our part, then the world stays in a contrary um, role. So we want to be careful not to blame anyone right now. We know what the nations have done, especially, um, you know, over the years we understand about slavery, but this thing is a spiritual thing, and it's so huge that when we step into that position as sons and daughters of God and bring the light, it's going to set the world back in course. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, I have a caller line four six seven eight area code. Uh, do you have a comment on what was brought out so far? Any comment on any part of the show, um, or anything specific you'd like to bring up? Yeah, I just wanted to ask a question. You mentioned as far as um, Satan using the law and scenario to get us to transgress. So what if um, what if you don't know the law? I mean, how do you determine is Satan being used or if it's just a scenario where you put in a difficult situation. So how does that apply to someone that doesn't know the law per se to say, okay, well, this is Satan or not? Well, thankfully, thank thank, thanks for your comment. Thankfully for us, um, God already knew that Satan would, um, he already knew, you know, he made Satan, so he already knew what, Satan was going to do concerning the law. So what did he do? Okay, he said he put the law in our inward parts. Then put the law in our inward parts, which means in your conscience, makes it inexcusable for someone to say, "Well, I don't know the written law." And here's my example of why: Amanda has never read the Bible and don't know any of the laws that is an adulterer, he's a co-worker, and he's talking to a married woman. He isn't bold. He doesn't just go to her house, rings the doorbell, and says, hey, I'm here. What does he do? He creeps. He sneaks. So man uses the excuse of not knowing the Bible, but God has put the law in the conscience of man, that's where the law um, is actually written. It's written in the hearts and in the conscience of man. And that's why, uh, even for example, I'll use this as an example, uh, many years ago um, concerning the gay community, and many years ago the gay community was what? In the closet. Why? Gay is not a new thing. Gay has existed all the way since the days of Lot and Abraham in Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? Why they were very bold back then in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were so bold, they wanted to rape any man that came into the city. And they saw men, that what they thought they saw was men come into the city, and they wanted to pull Lot's door off the hinges just so they could lay with these men. So they weren't in the closet. What made man go in the closet with homosexuality because something said to them, this is not 
a socially acceptable norm. So I'm going to be in the closet. But now they're getting um, just as bold as they did in the time of Lot, okay, and coming out of the closet, meaning that something inside of the conscious of man lets him know that, you know what, this is not socially acceptable. So they are in the closet. So part of the answer is that when people are doing wrong, their spirit lets them know. There is a, a compass, what they call the human compass inside of man that lets him know um, when he's doing something wrong. Now, concerning uh, the law, I'm going to pivot on, on that question and also add this in Hebrews chapter 9, that even when you keep the law, it doesn't clean your conscience unless your inner person is repentful. Unless your inner person. So, for example, back in the days when they were, when the, when the children of Israel were keeping the law, when they were keeping the law, they would take it, a lamb or whatever for their sin and offer it, but their conscience still wasn't clean. It's almost like washing the outside of a cup after you uh, finish using it and leaving all the little juice or wine inside. <laughs> you know, the outside is clean. And that's why Christ had to step to the Pharisees and said, you know, your outside is clean, but your inside is extremely dirty. Okay? So even the man that knows law, that doesn't repent from within his conscience, is still under the sin. Likewise, the man that never read law, but his conscience, I believe the other caller brought out, he that knows to do good and doeth not to him it is sin. It's not even what's written. It's you know that's wrong. So we come back to the difference between right or wrong. Even an atheist, even an atheist believes that it's wrong for you to kill little children. So in their conscience, there is the law that thou shalt not murder. Even the atheists feel like thou shalt not murder. But I'm not going to attribute that to God. I just feel like it's a matter of right and wrong, they say. No, it's a matter of God's law in you or God's law not in you. And so even the atheist has God's law in him because of them acknowledging the difference between right or wrong. And this is universal. Everybody knows the difference between right or wrong. There's not one nation that believes that killing children is appropriate, except for maybe individual people that are uh, dealing with children worship and children sacrifices. And these are direct devil worshipers, okay? But no one feels that it's just okay. And that's why when you see certain things happen, all these different nations, the earthquake, earthquake in Haiti, you had other nations that's not the children of Israel doing more than the children of Israel because something inside of them moved them with the compassion for other people. That's not coming from just because they read the Bible. Of course, there were some Christian organizations, but that didn't just come from the Bible, okay? That just comes from within the soul of people, okay? I remember being in a scenario uh, um, in a car accident where, you know, it was all different types of people coming out. They didn't stop and say, okay, hey, brother, get the uh, scripture. Okay, here's a scenario, and this is a time when you help. People were just moved to do because something inside of you, when you see wrong and when you see right, you know the difference. So this is Hebrews chapter 9, 
I'm going to read this really quick. And again, we're going to open up the lines. Remember, 424-220-1850. Call in, give your comment um, and your opinion. Hebrews chapter 9, it says, um, verse 6, it says, Now when these things were thus ordained, talking about the natural law, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second veil went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. And that's the one time a year atonement that the natural priest, the Levites, uh, the sons of Aaron, would go in to the veiled area, which is a mirror of a heavenly tabernacle. It was almost like he was going before God when he went into the veil and offering the blood for the people. But that's what Christ did. But now it's not a natural tabernacle. That's Christ going before the king, the most high God himself, um, when you sin and ask him for pardon, because the Most High is the one that sends out the judgment, asking for pardon for you, um, just as the priests, the Levites, used to ask pardon for you once a year for your sins. Okay? It says, the Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all, which means the true throne of God, was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. So while they was doing the law, the way into God himself, the holiest of all, even though they had the physical tabernacle and the veil, was not revealed as yet, which was a figure, the natural tabernacle, for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. So even though they were keeping natural law, concerning his conscience, it couldn't clean his conscience. We're in the time now where the conscience cleaning happens. So if someone doesn't know law, in his conscience he's dirty because he understood that he was doing wrong. If he didn't, he wouldn't creep. He wouldn't do it in secret. Okay? Even the thief does it in secret because when he does it in secret, he is acknowledged that there's a law. When you're doing things in secret or in the closet, you're acknowledging that there is a law. What's that called? The law of the spirit. Okay? When you're in Christ now, you become freed from the law of the flesh as far as condemnation because you graduate into the law of the spirit. Graduating into the law of the spirit you can't just start in the law of the spirit. You have to start in the law of the flesh. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that there is things begin from one stage to the next. So in a natural body, raise a spiritual body. Begins this way, ends up that way. Okay? So it's a process. You cannot become a college graduate if you haven't gone to elementary school. You can't become a high school graduate unless you have finished elementary school. You cannot go into college unless you went through high school. Now, some of us are brilliant and geniuses and all that, but you still have to prove yourself through what? The test. Okay, so if you're, in fact, on that spiritual level where you have graduated into the spirit law, then that's because you have earned uh, that because you have uh, understood the 
the natural law. And there's also people that may not even understand all the scriptures. They just live right because that spirit of righteousness has been put in them. And they just live right. They're like, no, I, you know, hey, well, why don't we go ahead and, you know, run this, uh, run this, you know, this um, thing. I'll give you, I'll put my children on your taxes, um, you know, and let me, you, you'll be able to get the money and then we'll cut it. And you're like, but, you know, those children, you know, I live in, I live in, uh, in New Hampshire and those children live in Brooklyn. You know, I just don't, I don't feel right doing that um, and putting them on my taxes because I really have no way of proving that. Now, if the children stayed with me for that year, I would feel more comfortable. And people say that. And some of us that are believers say, man, you're stupid. Take the money. You know, you're in a wicked kingdom. You need to get by. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. But that person may say, you know what, I just don't feel right doing it. Now, that's not my condemnation for anyone that does that. I'm just saying I'm using it as an example to say there's some people that don't know written law, but by nature, as we read earlier, do the things written in the law. So can we say now that, say you have someone that's another nation, not the children of Israel, that is doing things by nature written in the law, we're going to say, well, because of your, your, your natural birth, because of your natural birth, uh, you can't you know, possibly you know, keep right. righteousness according to the written law. Well, if righteousness is according to the written law uh, now, then he needs to also have applied to Abraham, and that means you also condemn Abraham because Abraham came before the law. Okay? So to answer that question um, that was asked by the caller, people have the law in them. They can play the game, and that's why the Lord said, you know what? I'm going to publish the hearts of men. I'm going to call the hearts of men the law, the divine law. I'm going to publish the hearts of men so that you will know that everybody knows. Read that in the audience of the people so that they will know. Unlike this law we live in where, you know, you find out the law after and then they tell you get a lawyer. Okay. The Lord said read the law in the audience of the people. And so... Although we're not getting the law read now in the audience of the people, he put it inside of people's conscience because, remember, before you were a natural being, you were a spiritual being. You came from the Most High. So whether you want to act like you don't know him or not, you came from the Most High, and because you came from the Most High, before you knew this in the flesh, guess what? You knew it in the spirit. And that's why in Galatians it says, are you so foolish have begun in the spirit, I now you now made perfect by the flesh. Are you so foolish that knowing that once upon a time you was a spiritual being, you're going to act like by the flesh, by the natural law, you know right and wrong? You knew right and wrong from when you left the spirit world and came in this world. Okay, so everyone knows the law in summary. Some just need to have it broadcasted and have witnesses so that the witness could say, yeah, he knew. He knew because we read it. But in his own conscience, if he's true to himself, he said, yeah, I knew too. Okay? Lines are open, 424-220-1850. Let's talk a little bit more about this topic. I'm going to throw this out there. Okay? Concerning exemption. Is anyone exempt 
from the law. Let's take a look at that. This is Romans chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse 1. I usually don't start at verse 1, but listen to this. Is anyone exempt? Matter of fact, before I read that, um, oh, um, hold on. Let me get you, Matthew. Apologize. You there? Sorry about that. Yes, I'm here. Go ahead, Matthew. <laughs> I just Go wanted ahead, to add a quick example about um, things being in your conscience. Me and my coworker was just talking about this last week because she has a two-year-old granddaughter, and she had cough drops that were on the table. She said what she did was she took the cough drop, went into the bedroom, went behind the bed, and was eating the cough drop. And when she was looking for her, uh, she came out with the wrapper from the cough drop, you know, behind her back. And so I thought about that because she didn't know, she may not have known she was stealing, (laughs) you know, by that term, but she knew she was doing something wrong, even at two years old. So when we think about even the children when they do something in the way they look at you because they know they're doing something wrong. So I let you know that it is in the conscience from the beginning. And that's a great example, you know. We can't we can't overlook that and think that only uh, written law is where people um, are guilty or innocent. You're guilty from the time you're thinking. That's what Christ said, man. If you look on a woman to to uh, to lust after her in your spirit, you've committed adultery. And that's for people that's under spirit law. So the irony in it is that the people that are saying that I'm above the law in the natural law, they actually should be functioning according to spirit law. So that means that no person that is eating, that is eating pork and not keeping high holy days should at any time be caught up in adultery because you're so above the law that certain things you should not even desire. But what does it say in Timothy? It says that the law was not made for a righteous man. The law was made for the unrighteous man. So if you have any unrighteous attributes, you're giving the law, this is what I call the law, mortality management. Why? Because you're still thinking like a mortal. And so because you're thinking like a mortal, you need a management system for your mortality to keep you out of trouble. That's why people say, man, I need you to just keep me out of trouble. Man, stick close to me and just, man, just keep me out of trouble. That's the law to help you stay out of trouble so you can have a reference. So when you feel tempted, you need to, like the, like the, the caller brought out earlier, you need to go into your Bible, man. If you feel like you've got to work on the Sabbath day, you need to be in your scripture. You need to be fasting because something needs to keep your mind steadfast on the king. You understand? But if you don't have those desires and you don't have those needs and your mind is already steadfast on the king, then you're good. But if you're not good, if you still find yourself, you know, taking a peek at your best friend's woman's uh, body or you find yourself as a woman you know, uh, you know, cutting that extra large piece of cheesecakes for your best friend's man, uh, or uh, if you feel that you can't keep your hands out of your mother's uh, pocketbook, or you feel like you just cannot control yourself, that everything come out of your mouth is a lie, guess what? You need the law. But for those that are above the law, such as the law of the dietary laws and such as the laws of the ceremonial laws and such as the laws of the fruits of the spirit, you that are above the law in that regard 
should also be living like Christ because you shouldn't even have any desire for other sin. But if you have the desire for other sin, you need to go back under the law as the management system for your mortal body. But when you're raised up in the spirit, when you become an immortal, or at least in your mind you see immortality and you see that Christ sees everything that you do, when you're there, then you may not need to have someone breathing the law down your back. But as long as you need the law to keep you in check, then you need to keep it all. Okay? Now, I'm going to check the lines to see if anyone has any comment on that. Um, 424-220-1850. Any other callers that have uh, anything to add to that. But I'm getting ready to go into uh, two things. Number one, Paul read his resume down. Okay? He read his resume down that I'm sure even some of us law keepers can't even uh, pull our resume out. You know, if the job was the job of the sons of God and you were supposed to pull your resume out, after this man read his resume, you might as well go home. And this is what he said. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Let me make sure. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Listen to Paul's resume. He says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. If you trust in your flesh and you're patting yourself on the back, and thinking how great a job you're doing at your Sabbath day, and how you make sure that you don't eat any unclean thing, even down to the candy, and you got the, the, the candy down, and you know exactly what's pork in the candy, and you're perfect, and you would circumcise the eighth day and everything else. He's saying, listen, if you think you could trust in the flesh, I'm more. Here's his resume. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. You've heard that statement, they say, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a man's man. He's a Hebrew's Hebrew. He's who the Hebrews look up to. As touching the law, a Pharisee. Means he studied it, he knew it well. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. So when the church was running around saying Jesus Christ, he's like, if I hear about that Jesus Christ, I'm persecuting you because you're going against the law. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. That right there, I'd have had to walk out. So when he said blameless, I wouldn't have been getting the job, okay? That would have gotten me disqualified. Touching the law, blameless, okay? Going to continue. But that which things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. So if you did have a resume like Paul, which none of us do, Many of us circumcise after we learn the word. Some of us circumcise later on in our life. Concerning knowing the law, we know a couple. Touching the law, uh, blameless? Nah. More so blameful. Hebrew of the Hebrews? Nah, because certain brothers don't even want to deal with you. So most of us, based on this resume, we wouldn't get the job. 
But he said, but that thing which were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Meaning, starting over. Verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. He counted it all dung. He said, listen, my resume, throw that out. I count it all dung because there's a greater and more excellent way. So no self-justification, God justification. So I went there first because I wanted to read about those that are justified by the king and that no one can condemn. I'm even going as far as to say that even if they do something wrong, you can't condemn them. And here's the proof. Romans chapter 4. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham were justified by the works, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. If Abraham was justified by works, as some of us justify ourselves by what we do, you may have to glory. You can glory amongst your, your people. You could even glory, especially as men that are in the word. Yeah, we could glory against men that are ignorant to the word. But concerning the real scale or ruler that you have to measure yourself, you know and I know that you're the worst. And when you could get to that place and say, you know what, I'm the worst, then there's hope. But when you start justifying yourself and thinking what you've done, Ah, you know, you know, brothers be working on the Sabbath, but I keep my Sabbath holy. You know, brothers, you know, they don't even brothers don't even realize that this pork and skittles, man. They don't even realize that. I don't. I make sure I don't eat that. Okay, that's good for you. And you know, brothers, you know, don't even understand the deep things of God. I mean, all all those self justification. You by your works aren't doing anything, and that's where Abraham found. Okay. It goes on to say, for if Abraham were justified by works, he would have therefore to glory, but not before God. For what saved the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted onto him for righteousness. He didn't move off of that. Abraham was the one commandment man. Now, I'm not saying Abraham transgressed in other commandments. I'm saying he was the one. He had one strong commandment down pat. Belief. A.K.A. trust. He had that down packed. For what saved the scriptures? Abraham believed God and it was counted him for righteousness. Now, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Here's an example. You borrow $10,000 from me and, no, not even borrow. I give you $10,000. And you say, what are you giving me $10,000 for? That's just for you, man. That's for you because I see, man, over the years that you've really tried and really struggled, and I'm going to give you this $10,000. Oh, no, brother, no. I appreciate it. I'm going to take the 10000 but I'm going to pay you back $100 a month, man. That's works. I'm going to pay you back $100 a month. That's your Sabbath day. I'm going to pay you back $100 a month. 
That's all of your self-justification. He gave you the gift, and you're trying to work the gift. That means you're in debt. And if you're in debt, how do you pay back Christ for the debt? You can't pay it back. It is not of works in that regard because he gave it to you. So look at here. What did he give? What he gave Abraham. What was that? I'm not going to hold you accountable. We're going to get to that. I'm not going to hold you accountable to certain things. This is not talking to everybody. We're going to go into it and see. It was offered to Abraham. It was offered to David. It's offered to the sons of God. I'm going to go explain a little more. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So if you're going to work your way into the kingdom of God through your own self-justification, you're in debt. You're a servant. In Galatians it says that the heir is no longer is no longer a servant, but an heir, joint heirs with Christ. But if you're a servant, that means that you're not an heir. You're a servant. If you're going to work, then it's not of grace. It's of debt. That means you have to pay this thing off. I don't know how you're going to pay off Christ's debt. Okay? Does this mean that you just continue to do sin? No. Does this mean that you don't keep your high holy days? No. We're just talking about self-justification. We're not talking about keeping uh, the management of your flesh. We're talking about management of your flesh and thinking that that's the righteousness spoken of in the Scriptures. That's not the righteousness spoken of in the Scriptures. That's just, okay, good, you're keeping yourself in order according to the law of mortality management. Excellent. Um, here's a free gift, and then you need to be thankful, and then you need to live your life according to how, like uh, the sister brought out, internally and externally righteous. Keeping the law, keeping yourself in order, inside you're clean and you love the most high you're doing what you need to do. But if you think you're going to compare how many Sabbath days you kept versus what another brother kept and pat yourself on the back, you lost your mind. Okay? Because of this, what it's saying here. For to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believe on him that justify the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Unfortunately, this is where people take and run and say, you see, I don't need to do the works because I am justified because I believe and I'm sanctified. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying receive the gift, know what it means concerning uh, him not holding you accountable for past transgressions and him giving you grace for any future transgressions in any occasions. But don't uh, let your flesh now be left unmanaged. That's what I'm saying, just for any clarity. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness. David was talking about it, and David committed adultery and technically He's supposed to be put to death, and he wasn't. Because sin was not imputed means held accountable. He repented, and that was enough. You can't look at King David and be like, you know, David slept with somebody, and he was forgiven. So, you know, my man, 
His girl came over, and I slept with her, and I'm applying what David applied. You can't apply it. If the gift wasn't given to you, you're going to get the other man that did its reward, which is you're going to be put to death according to how it's written. Okay? You might get put to death by that same man. You can't apply somebody else's imputed righteousness. you got to make sure that you're imputed righteousness. And we can see that. Some of us can look at our lives and see that there's many a times the Lord should have put you to death or beat you or did something to you. Like the caller brought out earlier, some sins are not punishment immediately onto death. And you looking at you like, man, I should really be punished for this. And he didn't punish you. That is an occasion where he did not impute sin. He just kind of, you know, he saw that you were repentful and he looked over it. You can't take that and say, you go and just do whatever you want. Because then you're going you're gonna to piss him off. Okay? But even as David also described the right, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. There's a level where he would say, yo, you good. You, 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 you good. Don't worry about it. And so we'll turn and look at that man and be like, I can't believe you see what that brother did. He just, he just killed Uriah and slept with this woman and had a child and he's still living. I don't know. That, that's not fair. That's a man the Lord did not impute sin. Now, if you want to roll the dice and see if that applies to you, then go right ahead. Probably have to come to your funeral, but go ahead. Okay? This is not something to play with. If he didn't impute it onto you, then he didn't impute it onto you, and you're going to get dealt with. But if he did impute it onto you and say, you, you, and we don't really know exactly who, okay? So I'm not going to say me, and I'm not going to say you. I'm saying there are people that he is kind of overlooking again verse 7 saying blessed are they whose iniquity are forgiven and whose sins are covered blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin that goes also with Romans chapter 8 when it speaks about the predestined and predetermined sons of God Romans 8 it says here um, verse 29 for whom he did foreknow he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestine, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. Not you justifying yourself. He justified you. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these? If God be for us, who can be against us? Okay, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This is very important, verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. So if you are one of those that he imputed righteousness without works, if you're one of those, someone else may be looking on and saying it's not fair. But if you're one of the predestined, this scripture, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God to justify. Unfortunately, in this topic of, uh, of law, many people are taking that on and saying, that's them. They don't have to keep the law. They're in the spirit and they're in faith, and it may or may not be them. And it may or may not be you. You know and he know. Okay? Lines open, Mafia. What do you feel about? What do you what do you gather from that? No. Yep. Okay. 
Well, I gather from being which part of it. Well, the last part where, hey, if someone is um, given a um, an exemption, not imputed sin, let's use King David as an example. Say you was living in King mm-hmm. David's time and you saw that, listen, this man got off. Shouldn't he be put to death for murder and adultery? How he got off? Well, the Lord says, "Listen, I listen. I he repented. Oh, it's, it's enough. I'm not going. I'm not going to jack you up. What? That's not fair. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? You feel it's not fair? Do you feel like God's going to not impute sin to certain people, and some people He's going to impute sin? That's exactly what I believe. I believe that um, every decision that the Father makes is just. Um, and for some, it won't be imputed. For some, it will. And I'm, I'm I'm cool with that. Whatever his decisions are, I accept. You see? All right, thanks for that comment. I'm going to go to line 3678, area code. Do you have a comment? 678, area code, do you have a comment on what was said? Oh, uh, yes. Um, I'd like to agree um, with what you're saying there. And um, also to look at the history of David that he had with... Um, with the father, it wasn't a history that started at that point, you know. And David didn't hide from the wrong that he had done, you know. He stood, he stood up, and he acknowledged the wrong that he had done, and he repented for it. You see, and that's where, as we say, as far as imputed sin is also can be looked at. I don't know, if, but agree if you agree with what I'm saying. As far as grace, you know, because even though punishment was handed down because it says that no sin shall go unpunished. But to what capacity that sin is being um being delivered unto that individual is all up to the most high. Because he did take that child as a form of punishment in which the child was conceived. You know, he did take that child's life, but he spared David's life. You know, because he went and he humbled himself before the living God. And mm-hmm. that's where we now as believers we have to hold us accountable and have accountability for everything that we do so that we can also, you know, be in that light to where it's, it probably would be considered, you know, as far as our works, things that we do. Not saying that, okay, well, if you do this amount of works, that it would be enough to, you know, to get your cuted sin, you know, a card, but just being an example of being chosen to, you know, to carry forth the works. All right. I just wanted to add All right. that I agree with you would say. All right. Thank you, Carla, for that. Um, let me open up line one. Five one caller six four six. Erico, do you have a any you know, any insight, any uh feedback, anything to add to what was said concerning that? Yeah, um Satan has mercy on us too. When we do good as long as you're doing that bad, he doesn't, you know, condemn you for the good that you do. He knows that that balance has to be, he knows you need rewards. So he lets that good. When you see these people like, like Clinton and certain ones of, uh, and, and um, Bush and certain uh, high-level rappers getting rewarded and drug dealers, you know, they do good to their children and their wives and whatever, but now... Look at how Satan has mercy. That's why the Lord said he had to multiply his compassion and mercy because he knows greatest within us is within the world. And he has a plan for each one of us. And certain, you know, tests, if you're, we're all in the school right now. So now 
failure is part of the test, okay, because you learn from your mistakes. If the Lord would condemn you from every mistake that you had, there'd be no flesh on the earth, okay? It's just that it's, it's just like if Satan were to, were to get on you for doing any good, then he, then he couldn't have you to do any evil. So it's that balance on both sides, but one is infinite and one is finite. That's the difference between, you know, accepting Satan's rewards as opposed to us, you know, waiting patiently for the Lord's rewards. That's forever. That's why all this negative had to happen first. So it can burn itself mm-hmm. out. Christ said, Christ said he saw Satan falling as lightning. Now, people think in this dogma of the Romans after church that Satan falling from the heaven, they had a fight with the Lord and all that. That is talking about this system and the kingdoms, and now we're living in the end of it, and how fast America's falling, how fast he's, you know, he's showing us plainly, you know, all of the um, wickedness. You know, there's no excuse now. The climate change, the homosexuals rising up now, like you said, back in Solomon and Gomorrah, they just came out with it and were to do it and didn't care about any authorities, and it wasn't in the closet. And it was in the closet back in when we took over now, We've seen we're com- coming back to that Sodom and Gomorrah time where the Lord's got to come with that fire and just end this because Satan is really coming out. And he's not, you see the white man and, and the wicked are not trying to play the nice little Christian no more and be nice to be the old news girls, my three sons and all that. They're just coming out being wicked now. Okay, they don't care. Okay, you know, that's why they're going to war, um, the, the wickedness is going on. With the police, they're not even trying to keep the law. They're, 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 they're trying to separate more so church and state and trying to come up with their own Luciferian doctrine and take prayer out of schools and, and all of this stuff they're doing, which if this is a Christian kingdom, you wouldn't have this going on. They'd be going according to the law, but they made their own laws up because they don't want to keep the law. And now they're not trying to play the nice guys anymore. They're trying to come straight out and say, where's Satan? And people are either going to wake up or they're not going to wake up. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for your comment. Now, you know, just to add on to um, even this imputed sin thing. Now, what about uh, what about the self-justified um, in Romans chapter 9? Listen to this. This is showing you. Um, even the mafia brought out earlier about the child who's eating the candy, the cough drops behind the, the bed um, or the couch. Um, it says, For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So children having done neither good or evil. Let's say, for example, um, a child... Um, you may look at a child and think a child is not um, accountable either way. You know, they're only, say, what we say, they're, they're only a child. But the Lord is saying, listen, even them not being born yet, and then much less when they're born and uh, begin to do, do uh, good or evil, or have not been born or have not even done good or evil, that I already have it predestined, who is going to be justified by me? by my election, and who's not going to be justified by me, by my election. You can't justify yourself, period, by nothing. 
you're not justified by nothing. Um, if anyone could find that scripture, I'd love to hear it, um, uh, about the two guys praying. And the guy saying, you know, you know, let me not be like this this wicked man. Um, the guy was justifying himself saying he didn't want to be like the other uh, wicked man, the poor wicked man next to him. And the other poor wicked man, you know, acknowledged that he was just a poor wicked man. And that man's sin or that man's prayer was heard over the man that was justifying himself. Does anyone know where that scripture is? Ma, do you know where that scripture is? Can you bring me in? You know you know what scripture that is? Uh, it's uh, Luke 18, starting at verse 10. Luke 18. Let's hear that. Luke 18. Go ahead and read that, Amathia. Because mm-hmm. two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee okay. stood and prayed. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on. So remember we were talking earlier, Paul said he was a Pharisee, so he could very well have justified himself and say, I'm a Pharisee, that's it. Y'all not Pharisees. Okay? I'm not going to interrupt you again, but I just wanted to show you the Pharisee is supposed to be a high office in people that have the knowledge of God and keeping the law. And so this man is one of those type of people. Go ahead. So the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterous, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And that's enough said. I don't even need to explain anything within that. Um, that's, you know, that's enough said. So you're not justified by yourself. You're justified by God. And your humility um, might give you access to him receiving your prayer, not how much you grind, um, not how much you justify, not how much you compare yourself and I would always say, don't compare yourself to other men. Compare yourself to the standard of Christ. Because if you compare yourself to other men, that's like putting two dirty sneakers next to one another. One dirty Nike and one dirty Puma. And you talking about, well, at least I'm not a dirty Nike. <laughs> so what kind of comparison is that? You compare yourself to clean. Compare yourself to the fresh, new, out-the-box pair of sneakers. Put yourself next to that, and then you're going to really see where you are. But us, in this present kingdom, a bunch of unrighteous, trying-to-be-righteous individuals, comparing ourselves to each other is foolishness. Compare yourself to Christ and humble yourself and be thankful that he even allowed you the ability to read and understand and to be able to repent from what you read and understand rather than self-justification and self-exaltation because of what you understand. Okay, lines are open. Um, I'm going to give everybody a chance to give their closing comments. If your line is lit up, your hand is up, I'm going to go ahead and unmute. Um, Mafia, I'm going to come to you last. All right. All right. Line uh, 646, area code. Any closing comments for the audience? 
Um, Jeremiah 4 and 4. Circumcise yourself to Yahweh and take away the foreskins of your heart, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Let my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench because of the evil of your doing. So the Lord speaks about the spiritual circumcision, meaning get away from the lies and hypocrisy and dogma of the world that's against the scriptures and come and cleanse yourself to the righteousness of the truth of the scriptures. And then there's also, as we read, the carnal circumcision. And we have to really look at the spiritual. Paul understood the carnal is important, just like Abraham wasn't circumcised before the Lord woke him up. And Israel came to Egypt, some circumcised most front, and he got Moses to do it. He almost died if he was taking his time. And Joshua circumcised the rest. The main thing is to get our minds right. Now, if brothers can get circumcised, go ahead and do it. Even if, but if you can't, don't worry about it. Some brothers are scared. Some brothers just don't want to go and do it, you know. But that's what Paul was talking about. Even though when the kingdom, that's all going to be done. Right now we're in Egypt. We're in the time of Abraham when he was walking amongst the nations. We have to worry about the mind first. Because the flesh down there, that ain't going to save you. I mean, many men who circumcised and uncircumcised, but the mind, they're not going to look at their spirit, and they're going to be saved. So we have to really circumcise and cleanse our, our evil and mind from this world and begin to build up, just like Abraham was beginning and learned the laws. Not all in one day. He didn't just show him the book in one day, and then he just walked in the laws. It's, it's, a, it's education. It takes years to get to that level. There's a lot, a lot of words in this book. We can't all do it in one, in ten years or five years. But when our my bodies are changed, then that's when that time is coming. So now we're in the initiation period. Okay. All right, caller. Thank you for that comment. Line two, six seven eight area code. Any closing comments? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. All right. I would just like to say um, humility. Humility, uh, I think it's in Isaiah 56 chapter, where it mentions, um, I'm going to paraphrase, who shall dwell with the high and lofty one? It says, he that is of a humble and contrite spirit. And that's something that we have to exercise, that kind of a mindset, that Christ-like mindset, where he didn't exalt himself, but he humbled himself to be obedient to the will of his Father. And likewise, he says that he is the example that we must embody because um, as he prayed in um, John 17 for his disciples and also for his chosen that he um, was given to him by the Father, that he desire is to dwell within us as he, as the Father is within him. So in everything that we do, we must exemplify that Christ-like posture, you know, and humility is one of the greatest ones as we read through the scriptures that we see always being emphasized, just like the one that um, the brother just read there with the Pharisees and the publicans. They're showing their humility. And also, you know, for our fellow brothers and sisters that uh, supposedly learned, um, you know, we also have to acknowledge that the Most High now can also bring knowledge and insight from someone that might not be as learned as you as far as the Scriptures. But are you willing to be open to receive the information? You see? So I think humility plays a great part in our learning, 
And as the time winds down, I think it's going to really determine, you know, whether who's going to remain and who's going to fall by the wayside. That's it. All right. Thank you for your comment. Mafia, any closing comments? Uh, yes. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. I'll close with um, Galatians five thirteen and 14. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So I'll close the way I opened up. Love is the key for it all. Love. Okay. All right. And, um, you know, sometime we're going to do a class or a discussion on love um, to really examine this thing and love in general, love for God, love for Christ, love for your brothers, love for yourself. Because um, as one time, um, I believe it was a mafia that called in and said, you know, a lot of people don't know what love is. And so it's used so vaguely um, that we begin to have an expectation of love that's not even the definition of love. Um, as always, um, well, actually, before I even close out, um, you know, my view on it, um, I think I expressed that throughout the discussion. Um, but my view on it is that, yes, uh, there are exemptions uh, that the Father has for those who he's already justified. And uh, But I believe that <clears throat> you still have to continue uh, to do the works because you don't know if you're one of the exempt. Um, uh, not definitively, but he'll let you know, okay? But my closing comment is uh, make sure that you are read and you're studied. Stay in the scriptures so that you can see what it is saying and revealing to you. Um, I call it the u okay? You have the New, you have the Old Testament, you have the New Testament, you have the U-Testament. And the U-Testament is the documentation of your life and what you're doing with it because when the books are open, the U-Testament which is the testimony of your life, will be opened and you will be judged out of it. So with that, I say thank you as always for uh, listening in. Thank you always for your comments. Uh, and thank you to brothers and sisters that have called in. And uh, have a beautiful and blessed day. And remember, God is love. I was looking lost, but you see that I am found. Got my Bible in my hand, cast demons to the ground. Now it's time for me to influence the people I'm around. We on Christ's side now, guarantee it's going down.